The Slaves World! Slaves World! Something way big has hit Paramount's King's Dominion. Welcome to the all-new Wayne's World! You call that big? Actually, this is a scaled-down model. Observe as scaled-down Wayne enjoys excellent munchables, attractions, and the ultimate thrill, the hurler. <laughs> so get into Wayne's World in a big way at Paramount's King's Dominion. Excellent. Come to this happy pod. Welcome. This podcast will never be truly finished, for this podcast is an idea of creativity and theme park magic. Uh, guy, you know, I bet Walt Disney actually wrote down. Yeah, I more. tend if I just leave him out here, he just spirals if you don't interrupt him, and then he has to keep the bit going. It's great. Yeah, it it, it really. <laughs> It, it really shows me exactly how long I trust my comedic instincts, which is about eight seconds. <laughs> it also shows why he doesn't do improv anymore. Um, Hi, everybody. Uh, this is I Think You'd Be Into It, the podcast about your problematic faves. Uh, I'm your host, Brandon Beck. Welcome back to the Dunk Zone. Uh, I'm your other host, Beth Scorzato. Oh, queen of the dunk zone. Although I do have to say we did take problematic out of the marketing text when I redid our logo only because, um, I don't know, problematic is like, has problematic. <laughs> yeah, it is. I don't know. Somebody asked me why and they were like, are our pro- faves not problematic anymore? And I was like, look, only if you make it weird. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I just felt like it was, there was such potential for it to be, mm. there was such potential for it to be weird that I just didn't. I don't know. It was an entirely... Now you guys know, behind the curtain, the entirely marketing aesthetic decision I made when redoing our podcast logo. Anyway, welcome to our guest, C.K. Kimball. Ah, thanks, guys. You may, you may know C.K. from Night Church and uh, her burlesque work around Los Angeles where she is a goddamn genius. Thank you. C.K., welcome to the program. And that name is Sally Sweet Nothing. Yes. Okay. Another okay. Yes. And we'll give you a chance to plug at the end again as well. So anyway, welcome to our show. We're here, as you can tell or not, from Brandon's really specific, only if you know what he's talking about, bit at the top, to talk about theme parks. Now, he started with a Disney thing, because obviously Disney is like the inventor of it. But I'm getting ahead of myself here, because there is a format to this show, even though we've kind of forgotten it. And it's that we have to start with the thing we're into this week. Brandon, per usual, I'm going to make you go first. Well, this week, I want the funk. (laughs) I gotta have that funk. Oh, I want the funk. (gasps) Specifically, the album Mothership Connection. Um, Yeah, this this week, as with every week of my life, but this week specifically, because it's been a a difficult week. We're still deep in quarantine. And I've always found uh, funk music to be very soothing in trying times and uh my favorite funk album is the album mothership connection by parliament which is george clinton's uh one of his bands parliament and funkadelic 
And it's just like an hour of the deepest in the pocket funk grooves and like cosmic nonsense. It if if you've never heard uh George Clinton or Parliament Funkadelic, you you really owe it to yourself to track down at least one of their tracks so you can just like fully understand just how deep uh in the pocket their their particular strain of funk goes. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my thing this week, Mothership Connection. Actually, the single greatest drive I've ever taken in my life, I drove up to Disneyland on 4th of July a couple years ago, uh, under the influence of marijuana, and blasting this album, driving down the five, while there were fireworks going off the entire time, and it owned. (laughs) So... Was this the anyway. first time in human history that someone has referred to funk as soothing? Uh, probably. <laughs> I mean, as as he <laughs> says in the first track of that album, the funk can not only move, it can remove. Uh, which I think, which I think, really says all that needs to be said. All right. Oh yeah, the album all is right. full sure, of those sure. like like funkisms <laughs> that are so oh, yeah. good. George Clinton in general is full of funkisms. Oh yeah, to do a, to do a George Clinton song, really all you got to have is like everybody hits on the one, and then every so often somebody he's just a, goes like "funk." Yeah, he's a fount of funkisms. <sighs> so, do I have to go now? You do. You do have to go now. This is Beth's favorite well, part of the show, and she's always prepared for it every week. Uh, okay, so the thing is, we're recording a bunch of these this week, and. I already used DuckTales, <laughs> so I can't just use DuckTales again, which I think I've used on this show, like, nine times, and it's been it's been right every time, but uh, I can't use it again. I would say, actually, you know what I've been watching that I got back into? I was, I've been watching uh, Stargate Universe, which I know I've actually talked about Stargate on here before, um... And whenever I'm rewatching SG One, I've still not ever finished SG One. I do not go back and start again every time because um, I don't force myself to watch the Jonas season because it makes me want to die. Huh. Um, but I've watched most of SG One, and I'll probably go back and finish SG One soon. But I've been watching uh, Stargate Universe, which I never watched when it was on. It's only two seasons, and it was like the darker one. Um, do you like I'm it? Not I only ever watched. I only ever watched SG One. I, I really enjoyed SG-1. I really liked Atlantis. Um, Universe doesn't do as much for me. It's definitely like a much more modern version of a sci-fi show as opposed to SG-1, which even in its later days when it got a little like gritty or whatever, still owed a lot to its like roots in 1999. Uh, but um, <laughs> Was that the one with Dom DeLuise or was that? The one that had the That's one SG-1. Is SG-1. And it's the only thing about SG-1 he remembers, and he brings it up every time I mention Stargate. <laughs> it's a good episode, though. It is a good episode. It's so wild to just have Dom DeLuise basically playing Q. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it, it took it took a little bit from the model of Atlantis, of them like being stuck and trying to get home, but... I don't think it works necessarily as well. I think part of what makes SG-1 really fun, and or just Stargate in general really fun, is that despite like all the war and sci-fi stuff, at the end of the day, it is pretty hopeful. 
And um, Stargate Universe doesn't necessarily have that. I think it has some really good characters and it explores some cool things psychologically and like with, with, you know, antagonists and stuff. But I don't think that it is the strongest entry in the Stargate series, but I'm still into it. And I'm like a little bit of the way into season two and I'm going to finish it. It's only the two seasons. There you go. I did have an answer. Lord's work. (laughs) And then I'll go back and finish SG-1 because I gotta end on that sweet, sweet high note of my boy Daniel Jackson. <laughs> oh my god. One, I of, my, love, one of my first I love crushes. I around him. Ugh, one of my very early crushes. Very formative for me. There are so many geek girls who whip that one out as one of their crushes and it tickles me every time because I saw Stargate SG-1 when I was like living in the middle of the woods when as a teenager so for the longest time i didn't even know anyone else knew it existed so when i started finding daniel jackson's stance it's like oh my god this goes so deep hell yeah and getting those later seasons where he's like a badass and a henley fucking put it straight into my veins (laughs) that that is not where i thought that sentence that started with put it was gonna end but here we are right right I'm glad I'm not the only crass one. I had the exact same thought. Like, yeah, definitely. Oh, sure, Bane. Yeah, I'm not right? not crass, uh, but just not as you know publicly whatever. crass as we are. That's <laughs> fine. I mean, I don't know. Check out my Twitter late at night. I mean, my Instagram bio is I am but a fart on the breeze of life. So, like, that's true. I don't know. Check out my late night Twitter. It's just me yelling into the <laughs> void. Um, that is true. Late night Twitter. Twitter. Anyway, yo, night Twitter is horny as fuck. I'll tell you that right now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like, not just, like, not me specifically, sometimes me, but, like, generally night horny, night horny, night horny. Night horny. Working on some night horns. Anyway, uh, Seiko, what's the thing you're into this week as we're all trapped inside doing nothing but consuming media? (laughs) Oh, man. I go down rabbit holes all the time as it is, but this last one... I mean, the whole reason I even brought up theme parking was I just gone down this rabbit hole of the Great Escape in New York. It's a theme park up there that mm-hmm. I used to go to when I was a kid. I've been watching so many walkthroughs of this small little fucking park. I mean, I watched a 40-minute one, and I didn't skip ahead. Like I just went right along with them. Like, yep, yeah, no, I, I know what you're talking about. 1990 was when they had the tornado dark ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see why they ripped it out and replaced it instead with these sky flyers. That's a bummer, but yeah. you know that's that is life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. keep doing it. Like I found, I found a whole walkthrough from 1997 of Kings and Minions. So when we're done here. I'm jumping onto that for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I just found a uh, a YouTube account that uploads old like. 16 millimeter home movies from like of like the monorail line in the 70s that is just or like the uh the resort station that they that they play in the hotels at disneyland it's like basically just disney propaganda for what to do but somebody uploaded like six of those and i've been like oh put them right in my put it hole you guys (laughs) well on that note though what what about so there are a lot of people that have been to theme parks and enjoy a theme park, but don't necessarily, like, go back and investigate it. What about, like, theme park design and the... Which, theme parks themselves are a wholly 20th century phenomenon largely invented by Disney, but there are so many now that have adapted that format. Like, what about it to you guys is interesting about that, like, behind-the-scenes stuff? 
I, man, that's such a multifaceted question. You got that, Brandon? I did. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. I grok it. It's just, I mean, it's it's partially nostalgia, I think, for everybody. But but there's a difference between, like, well, I don't walk through video and, like, research. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good way to phrase that. It's just that every... It's just that every part of theme parking is built off of like a piece of history or something else. It's just the more you look into it, the deeper you go. I know in my case, like I just happen to suddenly remember in the queue line for the Big Bad Wolf at Busch Gardens in Williamsburg, they had this really campy, corny um, pre- uh, preview video where it's a guy like walking through the dark woods and then he hears the howling of a wolf and then a bright light hits him in the chest and suddenly he's flying through the dark forest and then he get, hits the ground gets up he's got these yellow eyes like it makes no sense for that you're about mm-hmm. to go on a wolf roller coaster really but i remembered that so i went and looked it up online like hey can i find that video then i look into the history of how that roller coaster even came to be turns out it's actually super famous with enthusiasts which then got me thinking well why the hell does Bush Gardens have all these lands in the first place? The deeper you go, the more personality you just start to find with these things, and it's fascinating. Yeah. When uh, when yeah. when we were first talking with you about uh, coming on the show to talk about this, uh, you mentioned to Beth something about King's Dominion and how it was yes. it was a Paramount Park, uh, and then it wasn't. was. I had the same thing happen. I, I grew up in North Carolina, so we had Carowinds, which is short for Carolina Winds. Which was also uh, clever was bought by Paramount at about that same time. So like we had a hurler, just like I think King's Dominion had a hurler, and I think maybe even a Wayne's yes, World did. at that point. Which na- once we once all of the Paramount parks closed, all of the theming had to go away, and it be it just led to everything being so weird. So like, weird. They just start smashing shit together like they you still had the hurler but then they were throwing in like in our case it was the x coaster because suddenly they became very focused on having as many crazy new um on the edge of technology roller coasters possible so you still had all the wayne's world stuff around the hurler but none of it was called that and then just suddenly a ride goes through the middle (laughs) yep once they lost the theming at Carowinds, at least, I don't know about at King's Dominion, but at Carowinds, it's still called the Hurler, even though it's not Wayne's World theme anymore, because technically Hurl is, is not a copywritten term. Uh, True. And there is still like the fake Stan Makita's out front. Mm-hmm. It's just like themed to something vaguely different now. Um, the That's only like a, ours is like a 1950s drive in diner theme or something. That, they were real clever. That would that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, our regional park was actually, uh, it was called Riverside, um, and I still call it that, and most people I know still call it that. It is now Six Flags New England, uh, though for a little while it was also Six Flags Riverside, but it was, it was a regional park, and when they, when Six Flags bought it, I have not been there now in years, but at least throughout my high school and college years, when you went in, it was a weird takeover in that Six Flags took it over and really didn't do much. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, they, they added a whole new area for DC stuff, um, for the DC comics rides, 
Naturally. Which was weird because it, it felt like this other area of the park, but it was, it, and it truly was another area of the park. It wasn't, like, integrated throughout. So basically all of a sudden there were just, like, a lot of Looney Tunes characters walking around. <laughs> and that was basically it. Like, other than that, they didn't really retheme many things. They added, like, a small Looney Tunes children's area. Everything in mind was nothing was reskinned. Everything was added. Which was kind of wild because... It, well, that's kind of what you call it when you... I, whatever. Um, no, I know. It's just I've suddenly connected people in giant Looney Tunes outfits with the words reskinned. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Horrifying, yeah. But no, it was... Like a Tweety Bird made of human skin. <laughs> okay. Kill me. I thought I thought putty <laughs> But yeah, none of it was... None of it was really, like, rethemed. And also, it was a big... Which... I think probably you guys both being East Coast people have this too. And I feel like it's less of a West Coast thing if only because of the, you know, development of the United States. But there are a lot more like old ass wooden coasters where I'm from. And so like a lot of those nobody wanted to redo or do anything new to. So they're just still there, you know, whipping to do not go on a wood. Don't go on a wooden coaster and sit in the back. If you're not wearing a sports bra, it'll suck. Um, Mm -hmm. But like knocked up by your own tip. And like wooden coasters do have a shelf life of being smooth of about twenty minutes. (laughs) That's true. I gotta say though, they built a new wooden coaster at our like even more regional theme park, Lake Compounds, um, when I was growing up, uh, called the Boulder Dash, and they built it right into the side of the mountain. I was in probably high school, so it was like early two thousands, and it was a it, it still is a really fucking great wood coaster, like modern wood coaster, which they don't really mm-hmm. build anymore. They but. don't. In fact, I looked up the hurler, and the one, at, the one at least at uh, King's Dominion was converted to a steel roller coaster called Twisted Timbers. Oh. They killed the hurler. There, there is. They're still hurling in Charlotte. Uh, last I heard, that ride was violently painful. <laughs> like it was rough to begin with. I mean, I mean most old roller coasters are. My first roller coaster was a them. was a small one at Lake Compounds called the uh, the. I think it's the Wildcat. It might be the Bobcat. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Either way, that thing will fuck you up. Um, and it is still there. It is still in operation. Last I checked. The the most I have ever seen you truly thrown off was by a wooden coaster. There's a coaster <gasps> at the Six Flags in Jersey called El Toro. Magic that's, Mountain. Uh, that's is is it? No, it's not Magic Mountain. Magic Mountain. Magic here. Mountain. Oh, I don't fucking um, know. It's at the Six Flags in Jersey. It's called El Toro, and it's a wooden coaster that's built on like a steel frame. Uh, I was just not prepared for it. Yeah, uh, it was great. Don't get me wrong; I would go on it again in a heartbeat. But the torrent of profanity. Well, okay, because if you know you're getting on a rough coaster, you know how to like brace yourself. I wasn't prepared for this coaster in any way, and I was not braced, and it never stopped or slowed down enough for me to get there. So I was just getting whipped (laughs) around. I was getting shook around like a loose tic tac in a case. (laughs) Oh, oh my god! Like, like they started off with the the lift hill rather than a chain lift is like an elevator cable. So you're already (laughs) just flying up this thing. I just was not ready. (laughs) It that was, was one of the parks that has a lot of coasters, which, like, that's an interesting thing, too. A lot of, 
modern theme parks, despite, again, like we said, Disney being the original kind of template for a theme park, is one of the things Disney doesn't do very well is roller coasters. So there's a there's a whole thing to that. There's a whole thing to the Walt Disney theme parking and its history and its development and why it is the way it is now. There's They don't do roller coasters because they do want to focus on immersing you in the actual world experience. That's why there's such an argument right now against how much Walt Disney has been doing a lot of IP theming. And IP theming is when you're using a specific property and building your entire world around it, i.e. the whole Star Wars land right now. That was really controversial among people who love doing like theme parking kind of stuff. Because while it's all really cool now... It'll either age really well, like Splash Mountain somehow did, despite what it's based on. Yeah, right. Or it just starts to look really ancient and weird. And I can't think of a good current Disney example, except I wonder what a small world after all is going to... Oh, you know what? Pirates of the Caribbean. When they start adding on all the specific movie references, like Johnny Depp, it's just getting to that point now where it's really awkward. It was kind of fine. Mm-hmm. We yeah. were closer to the movies. But yep. now it's a little like, oh, that's that's going to... Oh, yeah, that's, that's one him. of my favorite rides of all time, and I have a lot of feelings about them, like, adding adding the movie stuff into it. But, I mean, I get it. I guess we can all be thankful that Haunted Mansion didn't do well. <laughs> can you imagine? Though they did make some changes for it. God, what if there was, like, a multi-million dollar Eddie Murphy in there? But they did make some changes to um, Madame Leota and a couple other things based on the movie that are still there. The updates, when the updates they did to Haunted Mansion, I'm always for. Like so far, yeah. I haven't seen them do anything to it that's completely upsetting. I almost wasn't there for um, all the new theming around the attic ghost. I've I've studied a lot about the Haunted yeah. Mansion. Same. The ones all I, over the world. I'm obsessed. Yeah, the bride is the bride. I don't mind the theming in the attic. My issue with the bride and with the new hatbox ghost is that while the technology is cool, it does look so vastly different from the technology in the rest of the ride that it just it feels like it's pulling you out of the experience a little bit. Yeah. Pepper's Fairy Ghost is That's so successful. I love Pepper's Fairy's ghost effects. Oh God, I, they feel I've, the most believable. I've dreamed about somehow setting up a Pepper's Ghost at the pack. I don't know how you would do it. Shame. Okay, g- we we need to have a we need to have a long discussion about this off air. So one of the things we talked about when we were setting up this too is that a really great resource for looking up all kinds of fucking crazy ass theme park history is Defunct Land. Yes, Defunct Land. So good, and not just it's really expanded since I ran. Y'all have both seen it by now, right? I think yeah. Brandy yeah. told me you were watching the Muppet one. Okay, so the the fun. Yeah, I I watched like half of those. <laughs> So the fun thing is, since it started a couple of years ago, is that he's expanded it so much. There's the Funkland TV. Um, he's been doing that whole uh, history on the Muppets and also the history of like Walt Disney World and Disneyland and how it began from the very, very beginning of all of Walt Disney's inspirations, like the World's Fair that was during uh, the Great Depression on into et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm rambling about nothing. Anyway, so you're rambling about in that, no, you're it's rambling great. about we asked what we asked you to come on and ramble about. It's fine. I love finding the episodes of the Funk Land that are based on things I never even considered. The Santa Land episode is fascinating. Oh yeah. Have y'all gotten to that one? No, I haven't seen that one. 
It's just, it's honestly, if I remember correctly, it's one of the shorter ones too. You can get through it pretty quick, but it's just the history of when suddenly in the United States, we just had an influx of all these different people making their own Santa lands, like all year long, come to Santa land, see Santa Claus, everything's Christmas themed, to when it Mm -hmm. died off, to when it slowly kind of crept back a little bit in the last couple years, because the history follows um, basically depression in people. We had a huge, huge, huge influx of them Right after, I think, World War II. It's a great, great episode. It's so good. It's all right, guys. Don't worry. If you just want Christmas year-round, the Yankee Candle Factory is hanging in there for you. All the time. (laughs) This is a very specific regionalism. You'll get it if you get it. I'm not mildly annoyed by Yankee Candles these days. I don't know what my problem is. There are a lot, but I grew up, their, uh, their factory is in Massachusetts, I want to say like Deerfield, but it's not far from where I grew up, and I've definitely been several times, and they have like an indoor Christmas year-round marketplace at the Wait, end of to, dipping your own candles. Do you get to tour it like, like Willy Wonka? Like, do you get to see these giant-ass jars getting filled with wax? Uh, That's a legitimate question. It's, no, it's the factory store. I don't think there's like factory factory tour but you get to go through and like learn about how candles are made and like the history of candle making and you can dip your own candles don't uh, i just want to see yeah. a conveyor belt of giant candles too though if yeah, you're out there listening Yankee candle that is my suggestion and you'll make a million dollars that may be possible i probably haven't been since i was like 14 <laughs> we should go when things start to chill out need to make a trip to Massachusetts to go to the Yankee Candle Factory. Candle Factory. Hell yeah. That's right. We'll go next time we're home, babe. You know, uh, uh, thinking about the the thing that you were that we were just talking about, about like the sort of clash between the new technology and like older stuff. I think I think that is one of the are we about are we about to talk about the frozen update that they did to that freaking um the what was it trolls Norway the spirit of Norway our Wi-Fi network is the spirit of adventure yeah our Wi-Fi network is the spirit of adventure the spirit of Norway is the name of our Wi-Fi network yep um well I think that's that's just a of the unique thing about theme parks is is that is that they are for as much as it's about like these sort of ephemeral in the moment experiences they're built on top of like infrastructure of like concrete Mm -hmm. and buildings and the way that those things sort of change and evolve they kind of change and evolve the way like an office building would where certain floors get updated some don't but the only difference is, is rather than an office building, it's turning some trolls into an animatronic of Kristen Bell. Dude, can I tell y'all about the mountain at King's Dominion? I would love Please it. Do. This is this is a fascinating thing. So there's two markers of King's Dominion that you can kind of orient, or there were, spoiler, that you can kind of orient yourself to when you're there. That one is the miniature Eiffel Tower that they have that's right at the very front of the gate. You can go up in it. Uh, it's an observation deck. It's it's very cute. It's been there since, uh, I think, the 70s. And nice. the mountain. 
And the mount now King's Dominion, obviously before it was bought by Paramount, was more of like kind of a kitty kitty kind of park where they had uh, upside down rides called like the Apple Turnover, and uh, eventually they made the Hanna Barbera section, which had the Scooby Doo roller coaster ride and Yogi's Cave and stuff. We had that at Caroline's but, um, too. Yeah. So in the giant mountain, it used to be three levels of rides in it. So in the middle was the haunted river ride. At the top was the, the um, haunted river haunted river ride. Oh, it was yes. ridiculous. Yeah, you had like animatronic skeletons and all these. Little, I love dioramas. So all these little dioramas all over the place of like, oh, it looks like he was going to kill his whore because um, it's the '90s and you could show pirates doing piratey things. Yeah. Uh, and then at the top was the Smurf train ride where it was boring as hell. There's a ton, ton of history about how much that ride broke down and how much it sucked. And it used to be called the Land of the Droogs. And then they changed the theming to the Smurf because somehow them making up their own animal creature mythological thing didn't work out. Uh, and the fact that Droogs is the name of uh, Alex's buddies in Clockwork Orange. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I hope I didn't get the name. It's like, maybe don't call your kid's land something from a Kubrick movie. <laughs> anyway, okay, too much, too much information. Okay, so, no. and then the very bottom was the Gravitron, which is a thing you can get into that spins and you stick to the wall and slide up and down, yep. which is hilarious. They had such a, like, state fair ride in the bottom of this mountain, but they had to put something there. We so, had one of those at Lake Compounds, and we went on a school field trip once uh, mm-hmm. to, like, study physics at the theme park. And yeah. that was one of the rides we had to go on. <laughs> Amazing! I love those rides. Did you ever flip yourself upside down when you're in it? Like, I did you just not, like... but many a twelve-year-old boy that I was there with did. So did this twelve-year-old boy every time. The C.K. Kimball story. <laughs> I wish I was a twelve-year-old boy. No, I don't. Well, maybe hmm, no. Anyway, um, so this mountain, this mountain has an insane amount of little mini history. So it obviously had a water ride. With a water ride, you're going to get a lot of mold. So over time, it was just getting more dilapidated. Things were breaking down constantly. So one day, they Paramount buys it, and they declare they're going to put in the Volcano Blast Coaster. And we're all lit. You can't take away our haunted river ride. We have no say on it. They put in the Blast Coaster. It becomes the first one, I think, in the country to be a launching roller coaster that launches you straight into an inverse so wow. it was kind of a it was kind of a big deal so mm-hmm. rip out everything blow off the top of this mountain kind of keep the like water effects around it but now it's just a roller coaster time continues on time continues on eventually everyone kind of realizes that the self-launching coaster that can only take eight people at a time and so it always has a two-hour wait if not three and breaks down every single time not exactly the best thing to keep around, but because they have spent years of this infrastructure getting wet and building steel things into it, they had to tear out the entire mountain. Oh, oh no. How sad is that that mountain had been there, I think, 40 years. It was iconic. It was the first thing that went up in that park. And then they ended up having to tear the whole thing out. It's just gone. It's the weirdest thing. It's like a tornado came through and just, it's just gone. It's interesting how so many decisions like that are made 
are made out of necessity rather than mm-hmm. like wanting to make a big change like that. Like when they uh, when they closed the at, at Epcot, it, there's a ride called Journey in, Journey into Imagination that was this amazing like ten minute long dark ride that took you through Imagination with oh, with Figment. You want to get me mad? Purple Dragon. Oh, about this? With Figment, the Purple Dragon. Figment. And talking about my favorite ride of all time and how they ruined it. There, Sorry, babe, I just peeked the shit out of my audio. <laughs> no, you're, you're good. Um, but the the thing, well, the thing about that is that when they there was a thing built into the contract that said after 10 years or however long we have to redo this. It was the Kodak like, Pavilion. Yeah, it was, it was, was part of it. Yeah, Kodak it was, was sponsor the sponsor. Pavilion. All the pavilions in Epcot were sponsored. And so Kodak, like once the sort of thing rolled around, no one was really thrilled about having to do this, but like contractually it was <laughs> there. So they right. closed this really phenomenal ride and replaced it with a ride with Eric Idle in a lab coat telling you about your senses. And, and Eric Idle Moon. Oh yeah, and the terrible Eric Idle Moon at the end. Can I just use the Eric Idle Moon as this episode art? <laughs> yes, please. I would I would prefer that you did. But it was, you know, once they did it, everyone realized it was a bad idea, but at that point they couldn't do anything about it. You know, you can't that you can't just redo a theme park ride. You know, they're these you're 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 having to make creative decisions that you'll be locked into for decades. Did you watch the Journey to Imagination to Funkland episode? Oh, you know, I did. They have one. You know, I yeah, you know, I did. It's like my favorite ride from when I was a kid. I love Figment. And yeah, when they redid it, they took him out. They then put they shoved Figment back in, which makes the ride a little better. But it's still not what it was. No, but now he's got a members only jacket. (laughs) Members only jacket. That's true. That's true. It's so heartbreaking when that happens, but it's also, like, so necessary in a lot of cases. I don't know what the the good middle ground is. You know, when they took, like, when they took out the Back to the Future ride, I I was heartbroken over that. Like, I had in my mind of, we all knew that the effects and everything were aging, but in a way, that's kind of why I thought it would stay, is that... The lo- first the love was for how incredible it was at the time now the love is for this incredible ip this movie that is still going to this day like etc cetera, etc cetera. but at the same time after watching the episode and reading up on it, it's like yeah with the maintenance costs and now you did figure out a way you could get more people moving through it it just has to happen i guess Plus, yeah. it's also as frustrating as it is for for the it is generational you know like we're a said about old rides that are gone now but you know in 10 years there are kids that are you know 10 11 12 right now that are going to be mad that they changed the harry potter ride like it Um, it has to do with you know what's like there is a nostalgia value to as sorry there is a nostalgia aspect to it but from a theme park they have to you know keep bringing it is inherently aimed at younger audiences so you have to be bringing new properties and new rides that they like like look i love epcot it's the nerd park i'm all (laughs) about those weird science rides except for ellen's energy adventure which brandon can tell you about as i'm sure he's about to you shut your mouth but but if if the original rides in the original pavilions as they first existed still existed today nobody would go they're just it's it's not what people are looking for in a theme park anymore 
So, like, I get it from a business standpoint as much as it's it sucks, especially because there is so little care taken with things when they're taken out sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, you can find all kinds of stuff about, like, lost animatronics and lost statues and lost, like, iconic pieces of these rides that just went missing because somebody just left them in a warehouse somewhere or Whoa! dumped them in the trash. Somebody just straight up stole the kid from Cranium Command. I did a deep dive on when they took out the... Uh the submarine ride oh, at least yeah. the one in yes. disney world they took the disney world one out all together and then the one here in disneyland they just uh switched the ip to like all the Nemo. graphics and everything Nemo. yeah well now it is it was something else for a little while but now it's nemo, nemo. um I, I had to know what happened to the uh the sea, the sea yeah. monster at the end i had to know what happened to that guy in disney world and finally i found all these photos of when they drained it and someone was taking pictures of like all the different um, statues and stuff they had had underwater this entire time. It was spooky and super cool. One of my favorite things about when they got rid of the, when they changed the rides is um, really one of the coolest things I've ever read is the history of the mermaids, the girls that actually sat in the lagoon. Oh, I know. They got so cold. Yeah. <laughs> Dudes would try to swim but it's, out there. I wish there. they would bring that back. Right? It's kind of cool. There, there's a really amazing uh, chunk of footage online uh, when Horizons, uh, which is one of the old uh, Epcot rides, it was basically a sequel to Carousel of Progress where you just saw like how great technology will make our lives in the future, um, which is like one bajillion percent my jam. Um, when it sort of became known that that ride wasn't going to be long for this world, these two guys, I think their names were Hoot and Chief or Hoot and Jeff. I, I don't recall offhand. Um, they realized that that Horizons didn't have any security on it, and it, it wasn't. There were no cameras. Yeah, there were no cameras. There were no like pressure plates. So if there wasn't anyone, the way the carts worked, they all sort of move around like like when you're in the uh, like in Haunted Mansion when you're sort of moving around Madame Leota and you you're turn, all kind of facing yeah, the same way. Yeah, you turn way. to look at the action. The mm-hmm. Horizons cars all moved that same way. So if there if nobody else could see you, you could get off and like walk around. And these two guys spent hours off, like in the ride, like taking photos and video. What? So you see it from like ways you'd never be able to see before all these really cool details these videos they're all online um and i think they said like the longest they ever spent in there was like four hours or something when they got trapped wasn't that it? is so cool <laughs> yeah yeah there's there's a because they a couldn't because to get them. back on they also had to wait for there to be enough empty cars for them to get back on otherwise yes. somebody would see them getting back on that is so cool, though. Yeah, there, there's a couple really good documentaries about it on YouTube um, that are definitely worth checking out. When I was a kid, um, I honestly, I do not understand why this happened, but I ended up going on this algebra and geometry trip to Walt Disney World with my school. Okay. No idea. Okay. No, yeah, no idea. I really don't remember how it got set up, but it happened. But part of it was... They were teaching us, like, the the physics and the math involved in creating a lot of these rides, which meant that we got to go behind the scenes of Haunted Mansion. Oh, hell like, yeah. Like, they let us into the room. And got to, yeah, we got to see where they're doing the ghost effect with the dinner party scene. Oh, that's so cool. 
I vividly, I vividly remember, and obviously we had to stay quiet and stay behind a certain line because if you step forward, then you would be projected at the same time, which let's be honest, that would look really suddenly cool. If you're super familiar with the Haunted Mansion, suddenly there's a new ghost effect and it looks real. Um, and it's you. And it's me. This is how I got stuck in the mansion. Um, you're the 100th ghost. <laughs> Why is she taking all her clothes off? <laughs> That is rad, though. Anything for attention, even in debt, isn't it? Uh, I vividly remember one of the animatronics. uh, You know the ghost that's blowing out the birthday candles? Yes. Yeah, the old lady. Yeah, that's like, like the mouth is here, and it's just a thing protrudes out the mouth just to push the lips out. I forgot we're recording this. I'm, like, performing it for you guys on the video, but we're still doing We're going to finish. And so it's like... "Mm -hmm." over and over again I, I, I mean it's the most obvious thing in the world but I it just struck me so hard in that moment when I saw it I'm like oh yeah they're not really ghosts yeah <laughs> and aren't they like blue they're they're like neon colored yeah yeah because they gotta really pick up in the uh in the reflection yeah and look unearthly in the reflection they're not flesh colored they're like bright green and like the dresses are all like weird neon colors yeah it rules <laughs> have I you think a lot of people to the i'm sorry no go ahead have you all ever been to paris did you ever go to the paris no, disney world oh i really no, want to i wish one day I really want to hear someone explain to me what it's like in their haunted mansion where you end up going to Wild West World. Yeah, at the end. It, it looks wild. Oh, I'm sure we could find a video. Mm-hmm. Well, I, 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 I think it was Tony Baxter who's like one of when you talk about Imagineers, he's like one of the big like five or ten guys. Um, he talked about how that one winds up being old west because like it's a it's a history that france doesn't have which is also why like mm. our haunted mansion is very victorian it's very it's like a thing that you don't that we don't culturally have so it seems a little more spooky so like if it was just like old french people the french wouldn't be impressed but because it's you know old spooky, spooky cowboy <laughs> ghosts uh, as opposed to like old french prostitute ghosts yeah <laughs> I think a lot of people, and I don't know if this is true for you guys, but it is for me. I think a lot of people that end up getting really into, like, looking at the behind the scenes of theme park design and stuff, it kind of ends up getting sparked when you are, if you're like me, a child, and you're on a ride that breaks down and you get to get off. Oh, really? Or being able to go behind the scenes and see something like going behind the scenes in Haunted Mansion and you get to like see how it works and all of a sudden this like whole other part of your brain opens up where you're like, oh my god, somebody has to design this. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, when I was a kid, I was on Thunder Mountain, which is still one of my favorite rides, and we got to the top. uh, It was in Florida, so uh, a thunderstorm started because that just happens in Florida. It'll just start. um, I know. There was lightning, so we were halfway up the hill. Well, we were most of the way up the hill and there was lightning and they stopped us and got us off the ride. And we had to walk back. We had to walk back down through the ride. And it was so cool. Um, like, We've never been on like, two rides that we had to get off mid. We got off the great movie ride in the middle of it once. The last time we went on it, Brandon and I. That was such a that was so cool. I, I, I loved getting I, I love the great movie ride so like it was cool to get a ride stop on there but I also knew full well 
this ride is going to be closed in like six months. <laughs> so it was kind of a bummer. But <laughs> yeah. I, I realized when we got off, I realized I left my hat on the in the car. So I dashed back in, grabbed my hat, and then turned around and grabbed a selfie with uh, the animatronics of... Uh, Casablanca. Of Casablanca, you have Bogey and uh, yeah. Bacall uh, out, yeah. out, out in we front were, of their we plane. Were in the, uh, we were in the Casablanca room and it broke down and they had us get off. Turns out there's a door like right there. Yeah. Um, oh, God. Yeah, I actually, love all their hidden ways of getting people on and off. Go on. Well, Sorry. Say, spe- speaking of, of great movie ride, um, it recently uh, was converted into a ride called Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, which looks fucking incredible um but it's a ride that i know i won't be able to ride for several years because i'm not a i'm not going to florida anytime soon uh and b <laughs> it's not going to be sorry at, mom at disneyland for <laughs> as of now a couple three years who knows probably longer with uh the corona they're supposed to be putting it into toontown which i still have logistic questions about yep <laughs> um but like or, say, or like with Rise of the Resistance, the new like giant crazy Star Wars ride that opened in oh, Florida you got to before go on it opened that. here. It owns. Um, but I quarantine ruined it for me. We we got. I've into... been waiting. I've been waiting to go. That's been the worst friend. part. <laughs> I've been waiting to go with my best friend, who was supposed to be here visiting for his yearly visit at the end of March, and we always go to Disney. And I've been waiting to go on it with him when he came, so I didn't go with Brandon when he went after your birthday, when he stayed overnight after mm-hmm. the monster trucks. <laughs> uh, he went the next morning, and I didn't go with them. So I thought I was going to get to go, and now I'm never going to get to go. Uh, but the re- the reason I brought that up is I uh, Beth and I got into a discussion around the time when it came out about whether or not like I-, I had become obsessed with watching videos of it. Like once the ride opened, I had I f- was like first thing I did online that day was watch as many point of view videos as I could just to see everything about this ride. And she was like, well, isn't that going to just spoil it? I was like, it's sort of. But to me, sort of knowing how it works and knowing like kind of what all the tricks are and being able to see how they're executed, especially with a ride like that, that's half the that's half the fascination of it uh, for mm-hmm. me. And I was wondering if 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 you sort of have that feel a, a similar way of like, will, will you oh, watch it? Will you wa- will you watch a video of a ride you haven't been on? Or mm-hmm. will never go on. We'll he watches ne- yeah. videos from this creepy theme park in France all the time. Oh, oh, Ooh, send them to me. That's in Amsterdam, but yeah, or no, not Amsterdam, N- Netherlands. No, a thousand percent. Because I, what happened was I was on my, one of my haunted mansion kicks, and I was trying to, I was comparing all the differences between all the ones around the world, and then I suddenly realized, like, wait a minute, uh, the. What, is it Shanghai? The Shanghai that Mystic that Manor. Are we talking about Mystic Manor. Mystic Manor. Mystic Manor. Mystic Manor. I a million million percent want to go on this ride, and I have oh, watched God, yeah. its ride through so many times. I mean, I know everything that happens in it because I'm obsessed with how they built it. I'm obsessed with all the. <laughs> uh, right Troublesome monkey. That's one of the ones she'll watch with me. Almost every time I put it on. I like the small monkey. He's, he's just very curious and mischievous, and his name is Albert, and he's very good. 
He's a very good boy. He tries. And he fixes it at the end. It's such simple effects, too. I love seeing simple effects. I'm obsessed when they're successful. So, like, did you... You've been... Okay, obviously, Beth, you've been to SeaWorld in Florida, right? Yeah. Okay, so... I think I think I have this right, or maybe it was Universal. Okay, do you too. know of this? Do you know of this ride in Florida, or it's rather more of a walkthrough? Poseidon's Adventure. It was Universal. Yes. Oh uh-huh. yeah. Oh that that was at uh, Islands of Adventure. Poseidon's Fury blew my mind because on the surface, everything they did was completely simple. It's just light and water effects. That's basically it. But all together. Trippy as hell. Love it. And Mystic Manor has that in spades. They're just light effects. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's mostly. All, it's also mostly simple. light and projection effects. Mm-hmm. That like. Love it. Mwah. It's base, it, And it's so funny to me that like they're basically just iterating on the thing that they've been doing since the early days and using the same ideas, but also now using, you know, next level technology to kind of execute mm-hmm. the same way. And it's, it's really fascinating to be able to see what, what d- visions of rides that don't feel compromised by like, Oh, we wanted to do this, but we, it was the eighties or we wanted to do this. But we kind of couldn't afford it, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, that's one of the cool things about that new ride. You were talking about that replace great movie ride is that it's all projection mapping and it's really well done. And like the technology is on the cutting edge, but at the end of the day, it's just projection mapping. It's just projections. There's nothing crazy about any of the effects. Yeah. Do y'all know what's considered the first roller coaster? No. When when people, coal miners used to charge kids like a penny or something to put them in their cars and just. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, a lot of early roller coasters are minecart coasters. Mm -hmm. And a lot of early roller coasters killed a lot of children. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Yeah. But so did mining. So did coal mining in general. One of my favorite things is in like images of really early theme park stuff like like Coney Island 1800s sort of things where it's like this roller coaster that looks so rickety with people that are dressed to the fucking nines with like top hats and giant like parasols and those dresses with like a three foot wide radius. It's a no. You're thinking about a bustle, but uh, my favorite thing about the cyclone at Coney Island, like even to this day, there's not like an updated electrical like button system. It's literally you get in, you're shoved into a very tight squeeze because there's so much padding because it whips you around, and they just have like a giant like as tall as the dude lever that they just chunk and the ride goes. <laughs> I love it. I love that. Like honest to god, it looks like a lever that you would have on like a guillotine. <laughs> like it is huge. I it's, love those um, rides. It's also just funny to me that there's a whole that there's a giant old roller coaster in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, there is. Hell yeah, Brooklyn. Brooklyn's old as fuck. Oh yeah, no Brooklyn rules. Brooklyn's older than North Carolina. You want to fight about it? That is true. If you could harnessing some sort of dark evil technology beyond our understanding, go back and experience any old ride that you either never did or weren't able or want or was able to but would like to do again what would it be and i'm posing this question to the room that was basically my question <laughs> Ooh, god 
I need a second. I'm just going through the oh, Rolodex. I'd go back head. and I'd go back and ride the original Journey into Imagination again. Easy. Mm. It's an easy one for me. That's fair. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd either go back and do Horizons again and like throw punches if they tried to get me off, and <laughs> or go back and see the uh, the thing that was there before Big Thunder Mountain was this thing called Mind Train through Nature's Wonderland, which was basically Big Thunder oh, Mountain. I without... always wanted to do that too. It was basically Big Thunder Mountain without the thunder. It was just flat, and you just sort of went along <laughs> at a leisurely pace. And then at the end, you went through these caves that had like glowing water, like you know when, like you know, in Big Thunder. Yeah, the Rainbow Caves is really what I would want. Yeah, the Rainbow Caverns. Yeah. Um, and apparently, it was like the most incredible visual that they've ever had at that park. God, that yeah, sounds that's the thing I would love to see. And it had like a th- like a theme where like the melody was a theremin. Like it fucking, r- it was so much my shit. What was this again? Yeah. It was called. It was part it was of called what? It was part of Mind Train through Nature's Wonderland, but it was called the Rainbow Caverns. There's huh. on Big Thunder when you're going up the lift hill. If you look down, there's some like there's a little cavern with like a couple pools of water that are kind of like green and blue and have little fountains. It's it was kind of that, but on a but that was the the much thing. bigger scale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got such a ah, that was such a hard question. I, the two areas I love and rides are thrill. Like mm-hmm. I don't know how I I went from being the kid who literally had a meltdown trying to go on the Rebel Yell at Kings of Maine, which just it's a small wooden coaster, but I was just screaming all the way up the hill like I got it. You just cried more and more and more <laughs> to the person that's like. Find me the most intense roller coaster in this park because I want to get in that line first and make sure I can cross it off my list. Sure. With, I love a good story and like set pieces and things built together. So I'm not mm-hmm. sure if I can only bring one back, who I would bring back. Well, but well you know, I'll, I'll, I'll hate, allow two. Well, I got, I got a thing. I got a thing. Um, back in the day, I mean, SeaWorld's evil, obviously. And part of their park setup was also having the theme park, right? Like they mm-hmm. had a couple a couple of rides in it. And there I don't even know if they still have it or if it's still operational. I only got to go on it the one time we were there, but they had a water ride that turned into a roller coaster at the very end. That's still there. That's still there. That thing blew my fucking mind. I you got to go through it had everything I love, like the little story and with the water thing. And then so, I didn't know the roller coaster part was coming. I was like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Cause I was from Virginia and hadn't been very many places. I think for any, for actually bringing something back from the dead. Um, this is weird. I have a huge affinity for dark rides, oh, especially yeah. so does Brandon. They don't do much for me. Dark rides are like I'm, why I go to theme parks. Whereas yeah. I'm like, I don't know, I don't need to see a diorama. It's all I need to see. I had this thing for, like, the traveling ones in particular, like mm-hmm. State Fair Dark Rides. If there was a way that I could go back in time to when I was, like, seven or eight years old and super obsessed and just see again some of these rides have just disappeared, they're extinct, like that, mm-hmm. oh, that would be lovely. Or maybe actually see the tornado dark ride at Great Escape because all the videos are too dark. <laughs> Which is yeah, that is the problem with 
old old videos is that the technology was not there for the videos to be great yeah right and like and i think the fact that they're only really documented because people wanted to document them like there mm-hmm. there was there was very little preservation done by the people that were like building and uh you know dismantling yeah. these things it's not like archival yeah mm-hmm. which i think which i think adds a level of it makes it feel like oh this is a thing we're rescuing like we're preserving yes, this rather like... than like you know it's you know just being given to us on a platter like we had to make sure this was preserved otherwise it'd be lost the the uh the retro wdw uh youtube channel just put out a thing i don't know exactly how the fuck they did this but it's it's wild they basically had like an ai program interpolate a bunch of different footage of horizons so it would look consistent and like (laughs) it's the first time where i've i've seen footage of that ride where it felt like oh okay i i can i fully get what's going on here because it wasn't just like because you're in a room and you see it from multiple angles because it's a bunch of different videos spliced together, but in a way cool. that doesn't feel jarring. Yeah, it makes it feel like it's like you're just watching it, but it's pulled from like so many. It's so cool. Mm, that is super cool. So then, the- as we wrap this up a little bit, what are some? Uh, if people did want to go down these these holes with you, what are your favorite channels? I know we talked about Defunct Land, Brandon. You just talked about. Retro WDW? I talk about my holes all the time. Okay. Uh, there's there's this gentleman, uh, Jay Durcham. I'm not even sure if that's how to pronounce his name correctly. And he has upload on his channel walkthroughs of so many different parks and some from like the 90s, like really, really old school footage. And it's all his. He'll narrate some of them. Like, for example, I found his... The Great Escape is a, a park that's now owned by Six Flags. It's up in the Adirondacks mm-hmm. of New York. But when I went yep. there as a kid, it was it, it was its own thing. And I found that he had done a walkthrough of it for 2017, but was giving the history of where everything used to be, starting from when it opened back and was a storybook village. Mm-hmm. I love this man's channel. I highly recommend if you have any weird interest in doing theme park walkthroughs, start with his channel. Just yeah. Flip through it. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to DM those to me. There are a lot of like storybook themed theme parks that were old because I think that was an easy, you know, no copyright IP thing. I grew up going to in New Hampshire Storyland. I think Ooh. it's still there, and it was definitely like very much a kids park. I have a very distinct memory of like milking a fake cow. But I used to go <laughs> with my dad every year, and it was all just like based around these old like folk tales. Um, well, it's, it's I don't like remember if it was a good park or not, truly. Like, I remember having a really great time, and it was like this trip I took with my dad every year, but I couldn't tell you if it was actually a good park or not. <laughs> Nostalgia. It's like you said earlier, Beth, is that these parks were based around initially, like, they're supposed to be for kids. I mean, mm-hmm. part of Walt Disney's super innovation was that he made it for all ages, that everyone could find something and enjoy something in it. So for a while, yeah, everything was built to be super tiny and based off of a, a little kid stuff. I yeah. love finding them, especially when they're abandoned. It's so creepy. Oh, yeah. Oh. That, oh, God, we could do a whole other episode just about <laughs> abandoned shit. But um, have you have you seen footage of Nara Dreamland? Yes. Oh, yes. So good. Oh, want to travel right. through it. I want to go through it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll say we'll save that for the next time you come back. CK, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. all This was fun. Love talking theme parks. Yeah. I do I know we're sort of in a time where there aren't all that many plugs to be had, 
But if there, if you have anything to plug, by all means. Oh, sure. Um, I write pretty consistently for Nightmarish Conjuring's uh, Now Women in Horror. Um, I do a lot of reviews and articles and such. Feel free to look me up there, C.K. Kimball. Uh, just started developing a thing for the Pack Channel Twitch called The Video Slab, where it's um, different members of my sketch team, Night Church, taking a turn being Dr. Professor Fear and showing horror shorts that we uh, riff on, but in a kind way, not trying to make fun of anybody. And mystery science theater, kind of. <laughs> and, uh, or in that it's not, they're not trying to be mean, is my point. <laughs> yes, yes, you, yeah, exactly. Uh, and the last thing is, I'm actually being published in an anthology called, um, oh my goodness, I just brain lost my moment. Hold on one second. Uh, it's a post, it's a post apocalyptic anthology called (laughs) one second Uh, i'm actually i'm going to be published in after the fall a post-apocalyptic anthology by mirror box films uh it was pushed back as a quarantine but if you're into weird fiction i'm in it oh hell yeah nice sounds awesome uh if people wanted more uh ck kimball content on the internet is there anywhere they can follow you or or You can follow my personal personal at Glitter Pizza Cat on IG. You can follow my burlesque on at Sally Sweet Nothing. And that's nothing with a U, not and nothing. Because there's no not in his name, just one big nut. Uh, Twitter, Glitter Pizza Cat. Cool. And you can try and find me on Facebook, but I'm way funnier on Twitter. Yeah, my Facebook's just, you know, people inviting me to comedy shows that I ignore. Um. <laughs> you're also, uh, let's let's not forget, you're also the, the director of the Happy Sappy Grown-Up Hour at the PAC whenever... Oh, yeah, which Brandon is the musical director for. Whenever the PAC Excellent. comes back. We, we forgot about that. You probably haven't, you weren't doing that when we last did this show. <laughs> That's true. Oh, yeah, I guess I wasn't. Hopefully we're going to have some cute and cool new content coming from the Happy Sappy Grown-Up Hour. Hopefully. <laughs> Yay! Hopefully. Um, <laughs> you can find me online, which this is actually different from the last time we had a show. Uh, you can find me everywhere at at bscores, B-E-E-S-C-O-R-E-S, with an underscore at the end because somebody already had it without the underscore on Twitter and I couldn't be inconsistent and it would drive me crazy. Uh, you can find the podcast at, at IntuitPod, and you can find us on Facebook at uh, at facebook.com slash IntuitPod. Um, we still don't have an Instagram. I just do it through mine because building Instagram followings is stupid and bad and hard, and I don't want to do it. Brandon, you're still at, at Hell Yes Brandon? Yeah, I'm at Hell Yes Brandon on all of the various socials. Um, my band, Inkblot, we're on SoundCloud, we're on YouTube. Uh I just oh You're I not just on had stage at the moment. not on stage at the moment, but hopefully soon. Um, I actually I have a song in Joey Clift, who's a great comedian here in L.A. Uh, just launched a project where Sufjan Sof- Stevens in the early two thousands decided to write an album for every state in the union, and he quit after two like a goddamn coward. So this Jesus. guy. This guy uh, decided to crowdsource the other 48, and the first 26 of them just came out, and I have a track on the Texas album. It's a collaboration with uh, Will Morgan from Detention, another sketch team, uh, 
that's called Deep in the Fart of Texas. And it's maybe <laughs> the stupidest thing I've ever been involved with, and I could not be happier with how it turned out. And uh, this is the first project I've ever been involved with that got mentioned on the AV Club. And it has the line, poop on my nuts that escaped from my butts. So I'm clearly making like the right career choices with my dumb filth. God, you took so long to talk about that stupid fart song that I had to run out and get my computer charger so it didn't die. Good. I'm (laughs) glad. Anyway, you take the time for art. Thank you as always to Kaylin West and Tiny Stills for the use of our theme song. Starting over is a lot like giving up off the album Falling is Like Flying. She's still out there putting out great fucking content. I know that she had to have a tour canceled for quarantine, but I think she's putting out some music soon. Go check her out if you can. She's on Patreon now, too. Oh, now I'm out of breath because I like sprinted across the apartment. Jesus. Good. I'm glad because I needed to tell the world about poop on my nuts that escaped from my butts. All right, podcast over. I'm calling it this time. Podcast over. (laughs)